I'm Duncan McLeod, and this is Tech Central's TCS Plus, brought to you today by Dimension Data, NTT, and Cisco. Now, I have four guests joining me remotely today, which I think is a record for this show, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, and we're going to be having a very interesting uh, conversation today on the future of networking. Great topic, so don't go anywhere. Um, I'd like to introduce uh, our guest before before we get started. We're joined by three representatives from what was, I think still is actually known as Dimension Data and is soon going to be renamed NTT Data. Uh, not to worry, we're going to explain that change to you in just a minute. Uh, we're also joined by a representative from Cisco here in South Africa. And Cisco and Dimension Data, of course, have had a very long-standing relationship, which I believe goes all the way back to the 19. 80s. So let me allow me to introduce my guests today. In no particular order, we have Prashil Garib. Prashil is Vice President of MNCS, which I believe stands for Managed Network and Collaboration Services at Dimension Data, an NTT company. He's joined by Paul Mender, who is Director of Managed Network Product Management, also at Dimension Data, an NTT company. And Adesh Babulal, who is Acting Client Partner Director, Managed Services at NTT South Africa. I hope I've got all of those names and titles correct, gentlemen. And then our three executives from uh, Dimension Data are joined by Adil Hasim, who is Sales Specialist, Enterprise Networking and Software at Cisco. Welcome to all four of you. Thanks for making the time to join Tech Central today. Thanks for having us, Duncan. Appreciate Thank it. You, Thank you, Duncan. Thank you for the time. Prashil, maybe I should uh, start with you. And uh, just for clarity, as I mentioned at the beginning, uh, there's, a, there's a lot of change happening at Dimension Data at the moment, including a big rebrand. Um, just take us through what's happening there. I understand it's a two-step process. Uh, take us through the change and what the thinking is behind it. Well, there's, there's two parts to it, Duncan. There's, there's the conversion of uh, us towards platform-driven solutioning. And that's a culmination of a lot of effort at our group level uh, in, in, in R&D on platform-driven management of networking and cloud applications. So, you know, we've taken a stance as, as, uh, as a group company now to promote that to our clients. And this conversation today is also, you know, an element of the broader strategy that we all our uh, countries across the world are, are taking on and driving their operating models towards it. So, you know, NTT uh, at the moment is, is broken up into a few parts that being entity limited entity data and then the, and, the, and then the group holding company where we find ourselves today as dimension data is actually the mere component of entity uh, uh, limited and what uh, our group company has decided to do is to merge the data business as well as the limited business into one called data entity data incorporated from our point of view then we still remain as a mere uh, representation. In other words, we run the entire uh, region from all the way up Middle East down to South Africa, but we we then see ourselves as part of the amalgamated business, and hence the name, the brand change that that we all going to be announcing in the next four four to six weeks. Right, right. So the Dimension Data name and the green color we've associated with Dimension Data from so many years is going to fall away. The color, new color scheme, as I understand it, is blue, and the name is NTT Data. So, when when can we expect to drive past the campus in Bryanston, your head office, and see all of this new branding? 
Well, that's imminent. So by end of March, we should be completely brand changed. Uh, we actually have some marketing activity planned in the next few weeks. Uh, engagements have already started taking place with some of our major clients. Uh, and we've got the Pro-Am, our flagship event, at which we're going to make those main, main, main changes happen. And at the end of the Pro-Am, we'll walk out of there being NTT data. But we've always been blue. I think for the last 13 years, there's been part of our business that's always operated as, as an NTT subsidiary. Now we're just making it official. And I think everyone in the business is ready for that because a lot of work has been done to, to clean up and consolidate our business operations and be ready to take on what is quite an exciting journey for us as NTT you know, mm -hmm. takes on its next level of growth. And of course, Dimension Data has always been associated with uh, networking. It's how the business got its start and, and that relationship with Cisco has always been key. Maybe maybe just uh, take us through that relationship with Cisco, Prashil, and how it's developed over the years. I know that uh, the CEOs of the organizations have a close working relationship. Maybe mm -hmm. chat a little bit about that and, um, and, and how that relationship r retains its closeness over the years. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, both Dimension Data, as it was autonomous in the past, and NTT have got a strong working relationship. In fact, in both organizations, we've been working uh, as a partner for the last 30 years. In the NTT group as a whole, there's 41 countries today that are gold certified by Cisco. So that's quite a powerful mm -hmm. acumen that we've achieved over the over the many decades that we've worked together. And, you know, as as we've seen uh, customer needs evolving, etc., and, and that's just not just in, in, in MIA, but also in South Africa, we've also been uh, happy that Cisco has been evolving with us. And uh, like you said, you know, we've been strong in infrastructure in the past. We, we did a lot of work to actually consolidate our applications and cloud business uh, over the last three to five years. And now we find it's necessary for us to have infrastructure conversations uh, with our clients. And Cisco being, uh, you know, as, as strong as it's become in the world of software-defined networking and, and its, push, its own push into things like security and sustainability, uh, we find that that partnership can be reignited. And in fact, that was reaffirmed by uh, commitments that were made between our CEOs uh, as recently as six months ago, where the group CEO of Cisco was actually here in South Africa to meet Alan Turnley Jones to talk about where the partnership is actually going towards. And that was followed up by several awards that we picked up uh, in Las Vegas, not just as entity, but as dimension data in South Africa on the work that we're doing to, to grow our, uh, our footprint into clients, to drive agendas around observability and around infrastructure and the entire play that, that Cisco itself, and Adil will talk to us about that in terms of software-defined infrastructure, uh, driving all these, these major goals that we find our clients are moving towards. So, you know, all in all, uh, there's a lot of work happening. Uh, we, we, we now intensively planning our future. Paul will tell us as well today about uh, a partnership summit that he attended last week just in, in Dubai, which will, which actually talks about our managed services strategy on the infrastructure side. So yes, I think Duncan, there's good work happening between us as, as partners and that can only be good for the customers here in South Africa. I think the, the, the extent of that partnership is going to become clearer as we, as we continue this discussion today. But it's probably a good time for me to bring you in, Paul, and uh, ask you a bit about this conference that you attended. In, I think it was in Dubai uh, last week. Um, what, what was the conference about and, and what were the key messages that came out of it? Yeah, yes, thanks, Duncan. Um, last week, I, I had the privilege of attending the Cisco Middle East and Africa Partner uh, Exchange Conference. Um, it was the first time that it's actually been hosted 
um, outside of Europe for, for Middle East and Africa. It was hosted in Dubai. Um, it gave us, there were 120 partners that attended the uh, conference. We were, it gave us the, the opportunity to engage with Cisco and, and validate where, where entity and dimension data are moving to. So what we're seeing is, you know, from, from a, an OEM such as Cisco, they, they're acknowledging that buying patterns from clients is changing. They're looking at how many service providers such as NTT and Dimension Data can assist clients to implement, manage software-defined intent-based networking infrastructures, leveraging uh, the, the platforms and uh, programs that Cisco is developing for many service uh, providers. Okay. So I was having a look at a report uh, on from NTT. Uh, it was the 2022-2023 Global Network Report, which found that 70% of CEOs, I presume this is on a, a global basis, mm-hmm. say that a lack of network maturity is negatively impacting their business delivery, which is a really interesting uh, finding. Paul, um, have IT departments not been paying sufficient attention to networking? Is it one of those unsexy things that, you know, you put in 20 years ago and, and kind of forget about while, while the IT department focuses on really sexy things like artificial intelligence or whatever's the hype of the moment? And why is networking, which I guess is like the information plumbing of an enterprise, still so important? So, I mean, if you look at, at why um, organizations and enterprises are investing in networking infrastructure, they're, they're investing in their network infrastructure now, and they, they, they're looking at how they can leverage that investment to, to provide a competitive advantage, innovation that they take into the end, end customer. Um, what we see is, you know, we, we've engaged with over a thousand clients globally, 800, we've interrogated 800,000 devices. We've seen that the number of devices that are reaching last day of support or are last day of support has increased by a factor of 17%. So across the clients that we've engaged with globally, we're seeing approximately 49.5% of the infrastructure is reaching last day of support or is already last day of support. So, you know, that introduces technical debt. What we're seeing is, you know, when tech, when those companies are actually um, upgrading their infrastructure, they're moving towards intent-based networking or software-defined networking solutions. The the resources that they have available to them are, are more than likely have a capability to support legacy environments, but don't necessarily have the capability to support next generation technologies. That's where the likes of entity and dimension data with our managed network services platform delivered service enables us to uh, assist clients in transformation. So we can actually manage the legacy environment as well as the, the transformed environment, giving them a consistent look and feel across the environment, which is important. You know, what we're seeing is, you know, where clients have implemented proactive monitoring and management, it it improves the availability of their network infrastructure by a factor of 55.5%. Interesting. Adesh, let me me bring you in here and and maybe continue that thought a little bit. Um, I mean, a lot of companies talk about digital transformation um, and the need to modernize their infrastructure. And a a lot of companies are also looking at uh, shifting to the cloud how much? To what extent is that actually driving companies uh, to rethink their networking in in twenty twenty four? So I think if we had to look at our global network report that NTT has published, I think you know one of the key themes mm. in that is that 
the stability of the network. But if we look at, by and large, the the global practice, I think if we look at the IoT, the connected devices, you've probably got about, I think the projection is by 2024, there's probably going to be about 29 billion connected devices, which means that we don't just only have to look at how we look at the network. It's also about the security aspects that we also need to consider. And I think most organizations, Duncan, and I think, you know, you've alluded to it in the earlier conversation as well, is that how do we actually then start to secure that network? How do we actually partner up with organizations? How do we take that legacy network and start to modernize it and become partners? But more importantly, I think, you know, what we are finding commercially is that organizations are looking to partner up on more flexible commercial models, not long-term locked engagements. And I think, how do they extract value? And more importantly, I think, you know, gone are the days of the tech sale, of the traditional tech sale. When we start to look at the modernization and understanding where in the maturity curve is an organization, are you at the beginning of that maturity? Are you looking at network as a service? And I think, you know, looking at the right partners to take you along that pendulum. And I think, you know, The great part of where NTT actually starts to play is that our ability to actually look at a client holistically end to end, understand where they are in that digital transformation, and then start to actually develop a partnership, right, as to how we're going to take that modernization across so that you can start to achieve your transformation goals. Okay. Okay. We're gonna we're gonna delve into that in some more detail shortly. But Adil, you work for Cisco, uh, one of the biggest networking vendors in the world. Um, what does a modern network look like? I think what we've seen uh, coming out of COVID is many networks were not capable of delivering. Uh, where we've shifted to uh, network infrastructure all the way over to what is the end user experience, right? Um, and when we talk about a modern modern network infrastructure or the future of networking, and our latest um, uh, campaign around the power of the platform, it's really bringing together multiple components of an architecture to work as one, right? So when we, we're building out software-defined networks, when we're looking at um, providing customers with end-to-end fabric, it means uh, in a hybrid work scenario, whether I'm working from home, a coffee shop, from the office, um, uh, or at a branch, I have that same end user experience, right? Every application uh, should have the same response. I should have uh, the same capabilities to deliver voice, video, and content sharing, regardless of where I am. And that is far off from where we were five years ago, where we would just provide basic connectivity for transactional uh, type networking like email, uh, web browsing, et cetera. So it's come a long way from uh, five years ago. I think COVID was uh, a real catalyst to getting things rapidly moving and changing. And this is where we see our customers now uh, reigniting this uh, force around what you call the, the infrastructure plumbing or the network plumbing. It's no more just plumbing. It, mm-hmm. it means a lot more in terms of I have my network infrastructure, but I need to have it highly available for delivering wireless access. And wireless access has to be uh, 100% uptime because it needs to be as good or better than the wire was before. Uh, and on top of yeah. that, we're putting in uh, sensors, lighting, uh, building management systems all onto the same network. Uh, 
to save a lot of the cost of deploying parallel sets of infrastructure. Mm -hmm. And I imagine, Adil, that as um, more and more companies outsource their um, applications, et cetera, to cloud services, that the network becomes that much more important because if you aren't able to carry that traffic quickly across that network, it slows down your whole business. Absolutely. Uh, and with with the change over to hybrid work, we've seen a lot of customers move over to hybrid infrastructure with on-premise and cloud. Uh, a lot of customers moving over to SD-WAN and, and SASE or SSE. And if you don't have the capability uh, to visualize any issues, to have uh, simplified deployments and configurations, it becomes really complex uh, to deliver mm -hmm. this type of infrastructure into any customer. Now, you mentioned uh, wired versus wireless, and I'd like to just dwell on, on this for, for a moment because it's, it's a really interesting topic. We, we've got both Ethernet and Wi-Fi 6 in our offices here at uh, Tech Central. I must say we tend to use the Wi-Fi a lot more than the, the Ethernet infrastructure. Are you finding that in big corporates as well? Or, I mean, what's the mix between wired and wireless? And are you finding some companies are abandoning wired entirely? So, so my journey at Cisco started uh, just over 13 years ago. And when I joined, I was a wireless systems engineer at that time, right? Uh, so I've been an enthusiast ever since. And mm -hmm. uh, we have seen it evolve since then is, I would say, five to seven years back was the first time we heard about a wireless-only office, right? And this was really pushing the boundaries because the moment you reach some form of density, you ran out of capacity on Wi-Fi. Uh, where we are today with Wi-Fi 6 and Wi-Fi 6E and soon Wi-Fi 7, we can cater for those densities. It's the first time in 20 years that we have new spectrum available in 6 gigahertz. And uh, we see large corporations, uh, especially in the financial sector or in the private sector, moving towards wireless-first or wireless-only type deployments, right? Um what it does mean is we're increasing the capacity of the wireless infrastructure, but we drastically reduce uh, the number of ports used on a desk-by-desk -desk basis, right? So uh, where it used to be a one-to-one -one ratio, we see now it become two-to-one or four-to-one, in some cases, even six-to-one ratio uh, from a wired to wireless. Interesting, interesting. So, uh, Paul, I'm going to ask you to get into a bit of detail on this, but before I, before I do, Prashil, maybe you can set the scene at a, at a headline level. Mm -hmm. um, can you maybe just tell us how Dimension Data, soon to be NTT Data, helps companies with their network modernization efforts? What do you bring to the table? What can companies expect from you? Yeah, so we, we've acknowledged that, you know, where, where clients are globally, South African clients or EMEA clients are not that far away. You know, what we're finding a lot of is, you know, the, the um, focus or priority around going to cloud and moving, you know, moving on things like client experience, employee experience is taking up a lot of the CIO time, uh, especially as, you know, we, we're getting out of the economic situation we're in, etc. So how do we then take a view rather than just talk technology or talk about, you know, how how different options work? Uh, help those clients in that investment cycle. So, you know, where we talk to our clients today, we, we, we talking, you know, around our innovation in platform driven solutioning. And what that really means for them is, 
you know, not to have to burden themselves with seeking high levels of capex to transform the network before it becomes efficient or easy to manage. We can take on the service from that point, you know, from from any level of maturity and then mature it for the client through a transformative conversation. The second part of that is, you know, mapping that uh, entire journey that the clients are going on to the client's enterprise architecture or, or the entire enterprise strategy that clients have. So we, we strongly believe that with our client partners and, and architects that have been trained by their peers in, in NTT, they can have those, you know, uh, conversations, whether technical or commercial, to understand really what the client strategy is uh, across the board. So that's the second part of it, Duncan. And then thirdly is to then um, drive an agenda where, you know, clients don't need to have uh, or rely on on service providers that are not as skilled or don't have the business leadership necessarily to help clients through this entire journey or even day-to-day operations. We've got that uh, covered both in, in our local or regional capability, but more importantly, where we've centralized a lot of our operational staff uh, into delivery centers. And we've got three major delivery centers as NTT in, 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 in Bryanston, in Bangalore and in Barcelona. And, and where we're talking specifically now about Bangalore is where we've co-located 1,100 of our engineers to actually help clients in driving this uh, management of their network from a trans- transition through a transform conversation and then give them the recommendations that they need to take, it, to take the journey forward to make sure that the entire infrastructure layer whether it's networking, security, platform, uh, sorry, productivity, or even apps and cloud can then be modernized with, with us helping them along that entire journey. So that's what we believe we, we can, we are uh, to a lot of clients already, and we just want to offer that now to the wider audience in South Africa. Okay. Paul, perhaps I could ask you to perhaps expand a little bit on that, on, on, on that uh, uh, discussion there um, and, and maybe talk a little bit about um, how you work with Cisco in going to market with, with these solution sets. Um, what, how do you actually work with representatives from Cisco when you're engaging with clients? And what are some of the conversations that you're having with them? Yeah, so Duncan, I, I think what's key, you know, um, Rachel touched on it. Um, you know, we, we like to, to lead client engagement through a consultancy-led engagement. We work very closely with Cisco. Um, you know, when we start to look at uh, migration of technologies from legacy technologies to next generation technologies being, you know, either software-defined, software-defined wide area networking, software secure access, service edge, um, or even wireless. Um, you know, we work very closely with Cisco. We, we, uh, jointly um, develop solutions that we then take to clients. Uh, I think what's actually quite key is, you know, from a platform delivered service perspective is, you know, we've provided managed services to clients for more than 25 years as NTT Dimension Data. Um, with the introduction of artificial intelligence operations, machine learning and automation, we've actually developed a new product, which is our managed network services uh, platform delivered service. Uh, which is, you know, we're working very closely with Cisco to, as a value-added managed service provider, to actually leverage and provide services to end clients so that they can actually take full advantage of their networking infrastructure as, you know, and, and what we're seeing as well is, you know, um, a lot of clients, their, their IT staff are actually um, busy with, you know, daily operational tasks and they're not actually looking at, mm-hmm 
you know, they understand their business, right? They're not actually looking at how to leverage their investment in their network in infrastructure to actually provide business value. So leveraging our managed network services platform, we take day two operational um, responsibility for their infrastructure, and that enables their resources to actually understand the business, actually provide more value to to the business and to end customers. Mm-hmm. You mentioned AI ops or AI operations. What what is that is that exactly, and and how what bearing does it have on networking? Yeah, so you know what we're seeing is you know if if you look at um, studies and information that's available um, from leading analyst organisations, they they're saying that you know the amount of noise that's actually generated within the environment actually leads to extended downtime and potentially misdiagnosis of faults. So with uh, AR ops, artificial intelligence operations, what we're doing is we actually analyze the information, we reduce the noise within the environment, and then it, it enables when it get, when a, a call gets through to an engineer, we've already done a level of diagnosis. We've, we've run a number of automated scripts against that to, to try auto-remediate the, the particular outage. So when it actually gets to, to the engineer, there's a, a level of of uh, fault finding that's already been done via the automated engine. So it actually reduces the mean time to, to restore services. So will, will that AI inform the engineer what the likely problem is? Correct, 100%. So what we're seeing is, you know, we, we've, uh, the, the particular product's been uh, general availability, has been GA or general availability for two years now. We we actually take all that information. It actually sits within a, a data lake, and we leverage that information to actually provide a what we refer to as a knowledge document that is sent through to the engineer to actually assist with the remediation of an outage within the, the client's environment. Priscilla, you wanted to add something? I think just, just to add to that, I mean, the platform that uh, Paul refers to actually is is a combination of a few things, Duncan. We talk about AI ops, we talk about the data lake, et cetera. But when we offer to what we offer to clients then is is a full-on end-to-end solution that takes away firstly the amount of noise and and you know the detail behind that um, shows a, a reduction, significant reduction in the number of events, for example, load shedding. Or, for example, in in in, the, in in terms of vulnerability on the network or the devices that we find, because it's pre-integrated with technologies like uh, the Cisco Compute of Management technology. Okay, so from that point, we then offer a much cleaner view uh, to to the next level of engineering should they be required. If if it's not self-diagnosed and self-remediated, uh, it then goes to a, a process of level one to level four engineering. And that is in, in, in tandem with the local service management that we as NTT South Africa provide or the client's resources then are, that are pre-integrated into our solution. So what we're talking about here really is not just a single pane of glass or you know single dashboard. We're talking about a full-on managed solution that then makes it easier as the platform that we talk about grows and we're populating it with thousands of, of configuration items, CIs as we call it, of many of the global clients. You know, we spoke about a thousand clients just in the Cisco basket, but that's a lot more across the globe from an entity perspective. This allows our, our, our tool, our platform, which is actually called Spectra, uh, to, to learn continuously, 
to, to pre-diagnose uh, or proactively manage what client environments are seeing. And then whatever that, irrespective of what platform, whether it's Marathi or Vuptela, it's then able to tell the client the situation, understand the action that was taken, and if it needs to go to event management or what we call carrier management, you know, to see if the fiber link is down or the microwave link is down, we manage that for the client. So the client then takes on from, from NTT, not a uh, reactive SLA, but what we would like to believe is an outcome-based SLA. And we're even happy to contract on that basis because of the power of the information that the tools that Paul and his team have built are able to offer our clients. Mm -hmm. Yeah? Okay. Adesh, let me bring you back in here. Um, before a company decides to even look at network modernization, say a CEO or a CIO realizes that our network infrastructure is really old, it's really slow, it's holding us back, um, and we need to do something about this. Obviously, engage with a company like uh, NTT, but um, what are some of the things that companies should be aware of before they embark on a network modernization program? Are there pitfalls that they should be aware of? Yes, absolutely. I think um, the first thing that we need to understand, every organization needs to benchmark themselves to understand, am I at the beginning of that maturity curve? Am I still in the mindset of actually starting to procure assets, buy licensing separately. Where am I in my SD journey, right? Have I actually started to explore mm. SD, uh, you know, software defined? Have we started to explore uh, SASE as an example, right? And I think more importantly, I think, you know, now it comes into the context of, am I ready to let go? And when we talk about letting go is, here comes the managed services. What component of managed services would I like to evolve? Do I want to give partial? Do I consider the full? And what we actually do is that we assist organizations in trying to firstly map out where they are. We build up, I think, you know, most organizations struggle to understand what is my cost of my network? Is it, how do I build up a business case? How do I actually get for a total cost of ownership if I do nothing today? And where do I want to get to? And I think, you know, the journey itself, we are able to plot along that journey, depending on your propensity of going to a network as a service, how long will that take you? And I think this is where the value of NTT comes in, as we are able to actually look at buying back some infrastructure on certain components, partnering with our clients to ensure that we deliver those outcomes. And more importantly, we start to track those metrics over a term. And I think, you know, we can provide you with alternatives. So it's not a single brush, one shoe fits all. We're able to customize. And I think more importantly, we are able to provide the assurity across an entire contract term that the deliverable savings that we've actually projected that the network will deliver to you will have not just only financial benefits, it will have technical as well as more importantly, business benefits. IT has not become an enabler any longer. It's become the forefront of driving business transformation. And when we start talking about those transformations, it's about understanding the return on investment because IT is an investment and investment into the network is something that one needs to consider. So we take those considerations and we try and actually ensure that we are able to map that back to the business KPIs to ensure that you as an organization are tracking against your shareholder commitments as well. Mm -hmm. And I, I imagine measuring that ROI probably isn't the easiest thing to do because you you don't always know 
you know, if the business starts growing a bit quicker, you don't really know if, well, was that because the data was flowing a bit quicker across my network? How do you actually measure tangible ROI in an instance like this? So we've built a few commercial models, I think, and I'm always quite pleased to talk to clients about this because we're able to take a snapshot at a point in time. But more importantly, you know, a transformation is a journey, right? And it's a continuous moving target. But for us to continuously benchmark ourselves in terms of what are the business changes, because business never remains the same. It changes over a period of time. And I think for us, what's quite important is not just only looking at the total cost of ownership or the net present value of a business case, but we also try and ensure that we are able to actually benchmark ourselves against the business outcomes. And I think that's where it gives IT a seat at the table. No longer do we actually see IT as being at the back end, but rather on the front end, driving that business change. And I think, you know, for us, uh, we've successfully delivered within the MIR region uh, clients on a massive network transformation. And I think, you know, we will continue to do that. I think, you know, more importantly, it's the change that we are seeing in the market over the last 12 to 18 months that's going to drive us in the future. It's interesting, Duncan, you mentioned. Richard, you had a thought on that? Yeah, I mean, it's interesting you made the point about, you know, the, the, the data growing and uh, how, do we, how do we, you know, cater for that, et cetera. Now, where, where commercially we're going to is more around, you know, usage-based, consumption-based type, type models rather than subscription-based. And I'll explain that now. Before we actually, you know, uh, by, by taking on a shared risk model or an outcome-based model with us, we, we, we're willing to go to clients and say, listen, wherever you are, Let's understand what's your current demand and where you're going to be in a couple of years or so time. Uh, obviously, we need to watch for certain things around security and, and client vulnerability uh, for that data to exceed uh, the growth patterns. But what is not bad for us, especially being in the telecommunications industry, is customers wanting more bandwidth. You know, as commoditized as it is, more bandwidth is better for us. I mean, that's that's our fuel, right? But I think. If, if, you, if your commercial model then links to that of a utilization or as a full outsource in the true sense of it, network as a service or edge as a service, then it, it becomes our problem to manage. It becomes our problem to ma- monitor, manage that environment, understand user patterns, you know, the behaviors of, of all the different uh, devices that are sitting on the network as clients then start adding on sensors and devices and more than just routers and switches. Um, we can anticipate those changes and move clients through different patterns um, that, that we, we, we can then uh, give clients that assurance that as you scale, no matter how fast you get there, we can be along for that journey. And I think the flexibility then, if you tie that back to software-defined infrastructure from a Cisco, for example, it gives, that, uh, gives us that ultimate uh, benefit at, at the scale at which we operate to, to either drive an, a license upgrade or a hardware changeover, which we can then repurpose for other clients in our, in our midst. So, you know, bigger is better for us, and we've been planning for that. It's, it's, the cost of bandwidth, you know, has come down significantly over the last couple of years, and we don't expect that to be the place at which, you know, uh, we make a massive amount of profit from. But where we definitely want to play is how do we take your pain for less, Mr. Client, from an enterprise perspective? How do we anticipate that? And if, if, if we can anticipate it well enough with a lot of the data that we've collected, then clients shouldn't be worried about how fast they're growing, rather more worried about is the technology fit 
for where the business is now or in the next 18 months. We've touched on security a little bit uh, in this discussion so far, but maybe let's focus, let's spend a minute or two talking about it in some detail. And Paul, I'm going to bring you back in here. Um, so security is obviously top of mind for CIOs and, and probably not just only for CIOs, but business leaders across the board. Um, maybe as a starting point, um, talk about how you've baked security into the prop, uh, into this, this proposition that you are selling here. And, and then maybe um, talk about some of the issues around data protection, privacy, and data sovereignty and how they might play into this as well. Yeah, so, I, you know, if you look at it from a security perspective, you know, I think, you know, Ardell touched on a little bit earlier, um, you know, what COVID's done from a cloud consumption perspective, hybrid working environments, you know, end, end users can work from anywhere. So what we're seeing is there's a massive adoption of zero trust networking architectures, um, you know, and we, we need to, you know, from a technology perspective, be able to support those environments. And then, you know, on the other side is, you know, um, when we take ownership and actually provide a platform delivered managed service, we, we're taking ownership and managing the client's environment. You know, we need to ensure that we are actually um, implementing the correct security controls. So, you know, we, we ensure that from a security perspective, we, we meet the, the, the client's uh, security requirements for accessing their environment. We also implement privileged access management control. So, you know, we have multiple um, levels of access. Um, with multi-factor authentication. So only engineers that are actually allocated to a particular client can access the environment. Um, from a data sovereignty perspective, you know, if you look at it from a Middle Eastern Africa perspective, um, that's very prevalent in the likes of Saudi Arabia. Um, there, there's, uh, you know, there's a lot of data sovereignty requirements, but what we leverage is we leverage um, a data center within Southern Africa to provide um, connect while well, it's hosted within um, a data center within South Africa. And, you know, a lot of clients are actually consuming software as a service application. So the likes of Salesforce, um, you know, where does that data actually reside? It, it can be distributed across the globe. You know, so what we're seeing is that with the adoption of, of, of software as a service, you know, clients are a little bit more open to um, platform delivered services um, and, you know, that are, that are provided from a from a uh, delivery center outside of South Africa. Let's talk a bit about sustainability as well. Now, um, I think this has become coming very much coming to the fore in, in uh, recent years. And uh, Adesh, maybe you want to tackle this one, but there's, there's obviously been a lot of talk about this in the data center environment in recent years. Um, but maybe take us through the sustainability objectives of, of NTT and the work that you're doing in this area. All right. So I think firstly, NTT has put a massive investment into sustainability. And I think, you know, as being part of the wider group, what we've also started to do was, I think, you know, from a energy consumption point of view, I think, you know, we are highly focused on energy efficient solutions that we put into the market, certainly when it comes to the architectures that we deploy for our customers. I think our carbon footprint is equally quite important in terms of how we engage um, on the technologies that we deploy, right? And in terms of 
Equally, I think, you know, coming back to our network as a service offer in terms of our responsibility in the disposal of how we actually treat some of those assets, I think, you know, Prashil mentioned it earlier on. I think, you know, we look at repurposing, right, some of that equipment uh, and then try and actually get to a carbon neutral position, I think, on each one of those uh, areas. But I think more importantly, I think, you know, it is also how do we continue in the future trying to actually ensure that we benchmark ourselves against the industry. I think, you know, it's not, um, we're not coal producers, but I think as IT producers, right? And I think, you know, of the measurability. And I think I'd like to talk about how we actually bring in observability. And I think, you know, one of the metrics that we could put in, we start to look at, I think, you know, as an organization is how do we actually start to put metrics against ourselves to actually then start to say we are actually moving into a more carbon neutral position, if that could, if that makes any sense. So what we started to do was there are metrics that uh, we've included. I think, you know, some of our partners or our clients that we engage with globally do actually put those metrics on us to ensure that we do report on them. And I think, you know, as we move forward, I think, you know, that's our commitment also from a Southern Africa perspective. Thank you. As we as we get towards the uh, the end of this uh, discussion, I'd like to talk a little bit about the future and where you see the relationship between Cisco and NTT going. And Prashil, maybe I can bring you uh, back in here. Uh, maybe just talk a bit about um, um, the current state of the relationship with Cisco and how you see that evolving, specifically in this area in the coming years, mm-hmm. and how you see that impacting on NTT data's dimension data's relationship with client organizations. So I think I think there's there's a lot of work being done at the moment on the partnership alliance between Asia in in, in the MIA region and globally with Cisco. Right? And I think uh, a, a testament to that is 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 all these uh, um, engagements in terms of which clients uh, we have in conversations with both shared clients and uh, from whence we can we can improve on on their value proposition. What we definitely now uh, keen on doing, and, and we're driving that a lot, Duncan, is is around where uh, uh, joint marketing and and events such as this, just to bring forward some of the thought leadership that both organisations seem to be uh, a lot more aligned on, and that's that's helping us then to get gain a lot more confidence in working together, you know, and 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 to do that, we've defined two ways of going to market: either a tech solutions approach which means, you know, as a client, we can provide you advisory, we can work together on audits and, and vulnerability assessments. And if all you need from us is hardware, that's fine. You know, as, as a partnership, that's easy to bring to, together because we've got the leverage of, of, a, of a quite a big order book between us every year. But we, we add to that what we call software-defined infrastructure support and that also gives the client an assurance that both as a South African uh, distributor, if you want to call us that system integrator, together with the global partner being Cisco, we can reduce lead times on equipment swap outs. We can help with licensing upgrades. We can talk on two types of uh, management monitoring before we start talking about the full-on managed services suit. And, and, and the second part of that in terms of how to go to market is exactly this conversation is how do we work together to create alternative commercial models to help clients in, situa- in different situations that they might find themselves in? So whether it's a client that's 
currently looking to expand in, because of their cloud journey, but really can't afford to do it? How do we sweat what's there, but give them an assurance that the equipment or the licensing is, 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 is modernized? or take the client down a full uh, transformation journey, then between Cisco and, and, and NTT, we are able to then negotiate that in the interest of the client and find ways in which we can commercially co-fund that together. Uh, or, you know, if, if it's necessary, take take a bit of, of uh, uh, you know, a different approach in terms of how that financial management can be done so that the client ultimately gets the benefit of the new equipment or the new licensing, and then we get lesser issues from a management and support point of view and drive then much, much, much more uh, uh, strategic conversations with the client to optimize the areas in which that's affecting their network or their infrastructure as it's been deployed. So I, I strongly believe that we're doing quite a bit more uh, than in the past uh, just to expand on our partnership and to make sure that the power of both brands is brought forward to our clients in South Africa and the rest of MIA as well. And Adil, as we as we conclude, perhaps I could ask you to have the final word and, and to reflect similarly on Cisco's uh, partnership with Dimension Data and how you see that relationship going forward as the business becomes more closely aligned with its NTT mothership. Absolutely. So, so I see uh, two very important aspects. The, the one is uh, where we jointly develop solutions. Um, an example of that would be something like our private 5G offering. Uh, as Cisco, as a uh, technology innovation manufacturer, as a software vendor, uh, we rely heavily on the likes of NTT globally to take to market a solution like private 5G. Um, for the last mile, for the managed service offering, for the integration aspects. Uh, so that's key in terms of the partnership uh, because we just won't be able to deliver that uh, without the likes of NTT. Uh, the second piece is uh, we, as Prashil mentioned, uh, it gives that local relevance and local flavor uh, to a global organization. Uh, we, we've got the technology, we've got the end-to-end -end architecture, but to bring that in a customized format to a customer and then work with them uh, about a year and a half or two years ago, we mentioned in one of our sales conferences that we meet customers where they are. And we absolutely can't do that without local presence, uh, local visibility and local understanding uh, of our customer base. Right. And Cisco being a partner led company, um, we don't have direct touch of these customers. So without entity, uh, we just don't have that visibility and that relevance within our customer base. Thank you. Prashil, um, if anyone wants to engage with uh, Dimension Data, soon to be Entity Data, um, what's the best way of doing that? Well, best way for now is to reach out to any one of us on our LinkedIn profiles. Uh, we will be going through a brand change, as you know, as we've spoken about it. So our, our email addresses will change shortly. But I'm sure you guys can reach out to us on our profiles. Each of us has, got, has updated our details. So we can definitely then uh, link you to our client partner or Adesha's team can take the lead then to, to manage that uh, engagement going forward. That's great. And we'll include a link to your uh, LinkedIn profiles uh, on, on the post with us with this video and uh, podcast. Gentlemen, thank you for your time and for sharing your insights today with Tech Central on the future of networking. It's been a great discussion. Thank you very much. Absolute pleasure. Thank you, David. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.